We are looking at verses 18 to 21. Do not get drunk with wine, for this is dispensation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Father, as I I wrestle with this text now for a month, I pray, Lord, that uh, you will teach my friends, my brothers, my sisters, that they may hear and they may understand. My Father, uh, I think, is uh, dear at the brook that each of us would drink deep and be filled. We love you. We praise you. In Christ's name, amen. All right, verse 18, as I shared, is a, a uh, contrast between what I would call, well, what the Greeks called ecstatic communion that was stirred up through intoxication. And instead of that pagan worship, be filled with the Spirit of God. And I shared with you, and I've shown you the text, that all are indwelt that are saved. There is no believer waiting on the Holy Spirit. He takes up residence. I showed you that the moment that you believe, Jesus Christ baptized you into the Spirit with the Spirit. And you are into the body of Christ with the Spirit of Christ. Okay? That's instantaneous. All right? But then we started looking at the meanings of this and... We found that that word filled, peleros, means driven. It's what you do with a sail. You fill it with wind and the ship moves. And it permeates that person. The same word, that word filled, means the same thing. Permeate means that you have the taste of Christ, but you are controlled by the person of Christ. That word filled means all of that. And I shared that be filled is a continual action. Be being kept filled with the Spirit. It's, it's, a, it's a moment here and here and here and here and here and here. It isn't a, a zap and you're full. Okay? Because if you think about it, there are times when I am driven by the Spirit and there's times I'm not. There's times I hope that we are all permeated that we we taste of Christ. And there's times that I hope that we're all controlled by Christ. But I also know that there are times that we are not. This text is telling us that if you're indwelt by the Spirit of God, then you should be filled. Living our life under the control of the Spirit of God. He is there. If you are not filled... And I shared with you this. Uh, you can grieve him. And you can quench him. Grieve is how he is personally sorrowful. The Holy Spirit inside the believer can be made personally sorrowful. Quenching is how we try to restrict what he, the Holy Spirit, wants to do. Dealing with his purposes and his person. Okay. By the way, grieving 
and quenching are both negatives. It's not something you should strive for. But I also showed you, unless you are filled with the Spirit, you are of no use. I shared with you in the total context, chapters 1 to 3 showed that there was this massive organism with amazing horsepower and abilities. But now that I showed you, unless you're filled with the Spirit, you ain't got no gas. So you basically have this big heavy thing you're trying to push around. Okay? Uh, I can give you another illustration where it's getting chilly, right? So most of us have gloves at the near. Okay? I can lay that glove down on the counter and say, hey, get out there and clean my windows. You know what that glove's going to do? It's going to look right at me. It ain't doing nothing. And until I put my hand in that glove, them windows ain't getting cleaned. Okay? It's the same thing as a Christian. You're right here, but if the Holy Spirit ain't moving it, it ain't working. Everything you do without the Holy Spirit is done in the power of your flesh. It is useless. It becomes kindling. Paul calls it wood, hay, and stubble. There is no gold. There is no silver. There is no precious stone. We are being told that we need to be filled with the Spirit of the Holy God to be effective. Remember? Walk worthy. Chapter 4, verse 1. I want you to walk in humility. I want you to walk in love. I want you to walk in the light. I want you to walk in wisdom. How do you do that? Be filled with the Spirit. To do anything for God, we must be filled with the Spirit of God. I don't care what it is. I mean, you can say, I'm going to vacuum the floor for the glory of God. Well, if you don't do it in the power of the Holy Spirit, you are vacuuming the floor. Okay? The Spirit of God must be our control system. We must be controlled by His presence. We must be permeated by His person. And we must be moved by His power. If not, you're doing it alone. Unless you are that way, under His control, His authority, you are useless to the Lord. You can be busy. You can be busy all you want. But you're just functioning in the flesh. Now then, when I was kind of looking through all of this, I decided I would go back and see how God does this. And what I've learned is, is that when the Lord wants something done, He always has one qualification. Only one. They don't have to be a theologian. I have memorized the book of Romans. I have memorized the books of the Bible. That He got one thing He wants. You know what it is? To be filled with the Spirit. So I want to go through some things for you. Try to help you out here. We have a history lesson given to us by Luke the Good Doctor. 
Luke was along for a great adventure. And his big history lesson is what is called the book of Acts. Now, most people, uh, you, you listen to them, they'll say, well, the first part of the book of Acts are the Acts of the Apostle Peter. And the second part of the book are the Acts of the Apostle Paul. And if you read it, that's what it looks like. I would argue, though, that it is Acts of the Holy Spirit in a whole bunch of people. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to take you to Acts chapter 6, verse 5. The apostles have decided they needed to devote themselves to prayer and to the ministering of the word. And then verse 5 says, This statement was found approval with the whole congregation. And they chose a man. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. And a few other guys there. Okay? What were their qualifications? Full of the Spirit. Full of the Spirit. Go over to Acts chapter 7, verse 55. This is a good thing that Stephen was full of the Spirit. Okay? He is arrested, and he preaches the gospel. And in verse 54, it says this. Now, they heard this, and they were cut to the quick. It literally means they were pierced to the heart and they began gnashing their teeth at him. You know what that means? He made friends and influenced enemies. No, he just made the whole ton bunch of them mad at him. But, this is Stephen, being what? Full of the Holy Spirit he gazed intently into heaven, saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand. And he said to these people who had been pierced through the heart and gnashing their teeth, Behold, I see the heavens opened up and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Full of faith and the Holy Spirit. That is why he was chosen. And if you think about this text, that's a good thing. They start stoning him. But being full of the Holy Spirit, he looked up steadfastly and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at his right hand. See, filled with the Spirit takes you right out of this world. I mean, literally. You don't look at things in this world at all. I'm cruising through this place, but this place has no bearing on me. I do not care what this place is doing. I shall continue to preach Jesus and Him crucified. I will continue to give forth a message of reproach. And you can't do anything to stop me. You can call me names. You can throw rocks at me. You can mock me. And I will only get louder. He preached a message that made this group furious. 
And then he's standing there. He looks up to heaven and says, Behold, I see God and the Son of Man at his right hand. Now they're happy. And the rocks began falling upon him. They drove him out of the city. When they were stoning Stephen, he called on the Lord and said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling on his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Having said this, he fell asleep. He was not concerned about anybody hitting him in the head and crushing his skull with a boulder to the point he said, don't hold this one against them. Receive my spirit. That is a man who has transcended this world. That is a man who was full of the spirit. To be filled with the Spirit gives you a view of God while your head is above. And while it is above, in Stephen's case, it was about to be crushed by a boulder. You ain't going to do that in your own strength. You couldn't get a bit of wood, hay, or stubble out of that. Lord, forgive them except the one with the big rock. How about one of them 100 pound hailstones? To be filled with the Spirit of the living God detaches you from the system. To be filled means that you could care less what happens to you as long as Christ is glorified. As long as He is glorified, Stephen looked up and saw his glory. And he did it in the middle of being stoned. Because he was filled. Because he was filled, he transcended this world. This world was irrelevant. Think about how much passion we put into this world. And yet, this world hates you. Absolutely hate you. But don't worry, they hated him first. He, the spirit in a believer who is filled takes us out of our circumstances. Takes you out of your trials. I mean, they may still be going on. You ever heard that song, It Is Well With My Soul? You know why that was written? The guy had sent his daughters to meet his wife back in England by ship. And the ship sank. All hands were lost. And that's what he wrote back to his wife. It is well with my soul. That is the man that says, you know what? This world is temporary. When God wants a man for a job, he wants one full of the spirit because you know why? It may cost that man his life. I remember going up to meet some Chechnyans 
when I was in the Republic of Georgia. And we were headed up these mountains, uh, a lot like the Rockies. Actually, they're a little higher. I think they're at 16. The Caucasus Mountains are at 16,000 feet. And it's this curvy road, uh, two lanes sort of sometimes. And, and uh, there I was with <laughs> Gia and Misha. <laughs> and uh, to this day, it's funny. At the time, it, I didn't laugh as much. We come around the corner, and here's these two Soviet armored cars sitting in a V in the road. I mean, I know a Russian armored car. And I was like, wow, that's kind of weird. And so we stop, papers, so everybody's throwing papers out. And uh, they tell the guys, see, this was on a Wednesday. On Monday, they annexed four miles of Georgia. So anything past there now is now Soviet Union. Up, oh, sorry. The Commonwealth of Independent States. Okay. And then they've got this one bright blue passport. The rest of them are red. And they want to know what I'm doing. I heard them tell them. I know enough to, <laughs> I know enough Russian when I should run. <laughs> and, uh, and he said that he's here teaching the Bible. So we're all out of the car standing up on this mountain pass. And I'm thinking, boy, this has got some weird potential to it. I mean, I could disappear here and they ain't a person on the planet would have any clue where or what or anything. And I, and I looked up to heaven. I didn't see Jesus and I didn't see him at the right hand. I just seen a big blue sky and I was like, I don't know about this. <laughs> My big spiritual prayer. They let us go. Obviously, here I am. But you get into these positions. Then I started thinking about it on the way back. I was going to go share the gospel with Chechnyans. Do you know who Chechnyans are? Then there would be hardcore Muslims. Remember the bombing of the school in Beslan? That was Chechnyans. Remember when they poured all the poisonous gas in the theater in Moscow because they had taken hostages? That was Chechnyans. When the train that I rode up to St. Petersburg was blowed up, it was the Chechnyans that did it. See what I mean? You're like, and I was going to go up there and share the gospel with them. Yo, Einstein, I made the Russians stop you. <laughs> when God wants a man, he wants one that's full of spirit. Acts chapter 9, verse 17. You know this part. A man had been cruising up the Damascus Road. Christ himself appeared to him and blinded him. They led him into Damascus and a man named Ananias entered the house after laying hands on him. Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by where you were coming also has sent me that you may regain your sight and what? Be filled with the Holy Spirit. He needed another man. And he had a, a tough bird in the apostles, Paul. But you make a personal appearance. Uh, I would say that he got Paul's undivided attention. Because if you're not filled with the Spirit, even though you can see, it will only be done with your flesh. Being filled with the Spirit is living one moment at a time under the control of the Holy Spirit 
And I call it yieldedness. Empty me so he can fill it. Acts chapter 11. Verse 22. God knows that the Apostle Paul needs a a helper. He needs a man who can offset some of the Jews who hate him, who are believers. Okay? Verse 22. The news about them reached the ears of the church at Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas off to Antioch. Okay, now, Paul is teaching teachers in Antioch, and the word is going out from Antioch, Syria, into the whole Fertile Crescent area. Now, Jerusalem is still in lockdown. They're in lockdown because they're dirt poor. They've All of them have lost their jobs. And they can't do anything. And they hear what's going on in Antioch, so they send Barnabas. Okay? Then when he arrived and witnessed the grace of God, he rejoiced. He began to encourage them with all resolute heart to remain true to the Lord. For he was a good man and... His qualifications to go and assist the Apostle Paul were what? He was full of the Spirit. And considerable numbers were brought. Okay? He needed a man. He went off to Tarsus to round up Paul. See, that's God's requirement. Notice there's a pattern here. Chapter 13, verse 9. But Saul, also known as Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, fixed his gaze on him. This is uh, the magician. Okay? And (laughs) I don't know. Can you imagine a spirit-filled Paul fixing his gaze on you and thinking things are about to go south just a bit? Verse 52 of that same chapter. Disciples were continually filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. When God wants someone to minister in His church, they will do it joyfully if they are filled with the Spirit. If God wants someone to win people to Christ, they will do it joyfully when they are filled with the Spirit. He always gets someone who is filled with the Spirit. Someone carried along by the will of God, by the pressure of the Spirit of God, who is the radiant taste of Jesus Christ under the complete control of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. A life that is the flavor of Christ. A life that is absolutely controlled. The standard God has To walk worthy. If you're going to walk worthy, you're going to do it how? Full of the Spirit. Okay? What you have just got over the last three weeks is the meaning of being Spirit-filled. It is a command. Okay? How do I do that? What is the means that I become Spirit-filled? How do I get filled? It's easy. You go down to the Holy Spirit gas station. You put it in the tank. You fill it up until it clicks off, and you're off and running. No. 
I have heard a lot of people. There is a large number of people tell me that uh, you pray to be filled. That sounds really cool, doesn't it? Oh, Lord, fill me. The problem is it's not a prayer request. It's a command. If God gives a command, then he gives the resources. And I can give you the cliche ones. Empty yourself of yourself. Okay, if I do that, I know that it's a matter of confessing sin. Personal sin. Surrender my, the will of my intellect. Surrender the will of my body. Surrender the will of my time. Surrender the will of my talent. Surrender my treasure. I'm going to give everything to His control. I mean, I can use Paul's. It is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. It's the death of self. I have crucified myself. I'm the living sacrifice. My act of worship. The slaying of self-will. See, when you die, then he'll fill me up. That sounds cool. If you think about it, ain't that true? If you put my carcass into the ground, what did he do when I got to heaven? He consumed me. He filled me up. He wants to do it here. Okay. Now, I'm going to try to make this. If you knew how many pages of notes I had, I've got on this. And then when I started reading back through them, I'm like, what in the world was I thinking? But anyway, it's, it's one of those things. 518 says what? Be filled with the Spirit. Right? Okay. What happens if I am filled with the Spirit? Let's look at this. We're just going to be briefly touch on these, all right? One, I will be speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making melody in my heart. Okay? A joyful person. You know? And some of us can sing and some of us... Hum. Hum, please. Play your kazoo. Okay? Verse 20. Giving thanks in everything. Verse 21. Be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Verse 25. Husbands, love your wives. 22. Wives, be subject to your own husbands. 6.1. Children, obey your parents. 6.4. Fathers, don't provoke your children to anger. Verse 5, slaves, be obedient to those of your masters. Not in a way of eye service as men pleasers, but slaves of Christ. With goodwill, render service as to the Lord. Verse 9, masters, do the same things to them. Give them, give up threatening and knowing that both their masters and yours are in heaven. Okay, you know what I see about spirit-filled here? There's nothing ecstatic in this. There's nothing experiential in this. Singing with melody in my heart, submitting to a whole lot of 
to everybody. I've got a whole lot of right human relationships. There's nothing ecstatic, enthusiamas on this. It isn't, oh, I was slain and I fell over. That ain't nothing there. No one is off the deep end who is filled with the Spirit. No one is falling on their back filled with the Spirit or falling out of their chair if they're filled with the Spirit. There's no ecstatic experience being filled with the Spirit. It is all of my relationships. Hear what I said. The word all. If you translate it, it means all of my relationships are right. With the lost, with the saved, with my wife, with my employer, with my kids, with other church members, with Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit, and with God the Father. With God I have praises, I have thanksgiving with others because I am submitted, whether it is my family, my marriage, or my employment. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is not this, your hair standing up, or a liver quiver, or anything like that. It is very practical. It is very clear. The filling of the Spirit affects Every relationship, those on the horizontal plane and those on the vertical plane. Okay? We got it. I can have this if I'm filled with the Spirit. All right? Well, let me give you something else to think about. You know how he is. You leave me alone and gee whiz. And now I can see at night it's even worse. Colossians chapter 3, beginning at verse 16. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching, admonish one another with all psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Huh, that sounds familiar. Does that sound familiar? I thought I heard that a minute ago. Wasn't that in another book? Verse 18. Wives. You think the same guy wrote this? Wives, be subject to your husband. Fitting is to the Lord. Husband, loves your wives. Do not embitter against them. Children, be obedient to your parents in all things. This is well-pleasing. Fathers, do not exasperate. Did you know the exasperate and provoke are the same thing? Just in case you were wondering. So that they do not lose heart. Slaves, in all things obey your masters on earth. Not with external services who merely look at pleased men. Wow, that just sounds so familiar. Whatever you do in your work, do it heartily. That's for the Lord. Interesting, don't you think? Chapter 4, verse 1. Masters, grant to your slaves justice and fairness, knowing, oh, wow, you two have a master in heaven. Okay, we know what 518 produces. Okay, he told us. Right? Sounds an awful lot like three of Colossians, doesn't it? An awful lot. I mean, whoa. But for me to achieve those things in Ephesians, how do I do it? 
being filled with the Spirit. How do I do it in Colossians 3.16? Nope. It's, look what it says. Let the Word of Christ richly dwell within you. Hold on a minute. Being filled with the Spirit is the same as letting the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Okay, you know how I know that? It has the same results. Okay? It is so sad to see so many evangelical Christians speak of filling of the Spirit as some mystical thing when all it is is reading your Bible and letting it dwell in you richly. The filling of the Spirit is taking the word that Christ has given us and letting it dwell. You know what the word dwell is? I shared with you this when we were doing this prayer. It's totally at home. The word of Christ is totally at home in me. Have you ever looked at, well, I wonder why he wrote that. Or, well, that sounds kind of stupid. Do you think that that was a cultural thing? That's not dwelling richly. You want to be spirit-filled? Okay, let me tell you. It's not smelling incense and sitting in your prayer closet. Okay? That will not fill you. It is not pleading to God. Spirit-filled is to feed yourself with the Word of Christ. Now, here what I, I made sure I wrote this the way I wanted it said. It is you feeding yourself. Let me tell you something. There's too many, maybe even in this room, who eat one hour a week. And you wonder why your week goes bad. Well, if you ate a meal one hour a week, I bet you by Friday you're going to be cranky. But you try to do that spiritually and you wonder why you are useless to Jesus Christ. Listen, I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about reading books about the Bible. I'm talking about reading the Bible. Listen, I am God's greatest idiot. I perfected it. I had a PhD in duh. Okay? Now, if I can read the Bible after years and understand it, you guys should be way ahead of me. But the difference between me and so many is, I read it. I just stop and read it. I've told you this when I get ready to preach a book. Probably for a year before I go into it, I read it every day. I don't exegete it. I don't try to do sentence structuring or any of that stuff. I just read it. I just read it. Okay? So right now, we have been in Ephesians about, what, five years? Something like that? I've been reading it for seven. I think I kind of figure out the flow of it. Okay? Now, it took me seven years to figure out the flow of it. It should not take you that long. You just read it. 
It's not mystical. It dwells richly. That is spirits filled. As you are fed and filled with the word, and it dwells in you abundantly, richly, you will find yourself just kind of coming under control of it. It isn't, well, today I shall love my husband. Today I shall love my children. Today I will be nice to my co-workers. Today I will... No, it becomes automatic because you've been reading it. And it dwells in there with the Holy Spirit who gives you the direction. Who Listen, who is the author of Scripture? No, the Holy Spirit. Men carried away by the Spirit of God wrote Scripture. So if I've got the Holy Spirit indwelling me, get a hold of this book and read it. You don't have to, well, where do I get a Greek dictionary? What are you going to do with it? I've got like four. And they all look Greek to me. Just read it. Just read it. When you pour the word in, it becomes the thing that controls you. Charles Spurgeon used to use this phrase, Bibline blood. And it would speak that when you bled, you bled the scriptures. His son said that at his funeral. He says, if you cut my father's arm, the scriptures will pour out. It's simple. I really wish it was more complicated because then we would have a, a better excuse of not doing it. I mean, I wish it was some, it's going to take you 22 years to understand how to exegete and, and all that. No, you just read it. We make it complicated. And yet when I read scriptures, it's really not confusing. That is being filled. Simply letting the word dominate my life. If you want to be spirit-filled and watch God do exceedingly abundantly what you could think or imagine, you know how you do it? Read the book. Read the book. When the word goes in, the spirit has the truth which gives you direction. Okay? I've got one other thing I want to share with you. Two. I want to give you an illustration of a guy that I like a lot. Uh, he's, he's awesome. Um, I think too many of us relate to him, but I'm afraid that many of us say we relate to him, but we don't. Peter. The apostle with the foot-shaped mouth. Okay? One of the things I know about Peter is he wanted to be where Jesus was. I can picture them walking down an old dusty trail headed over to the Sea of Galilee and Jesus stopped and Peter run right in the back of him. He just wanted, I want to be, I want to be right where he's at. And I, I think I have some reasons. Jesus did miracles. I mean, yeah, just hang on with that dude. 
He said miracles. And he had a miraculous courage. He goes into the temple and turns the tables over and just stuff like that. See, Peter was near to Jesus as he could be. Remember when uh, Jesus said, who do men say that I am? Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. See, Peter always had a mouth that was available, right? And God would use his available mouth, but not probably half a day later. He says, I'm going to go and suffer and die. And Peter says, uh-uh, no, you're not. And what was Jesus' response to Peter? Get behind me, Satan. See, he had an available mouth. Anybody could use it. Peter's mouth was available. But he also had miraculous courage like Jesus. I'm not going to go through all the verses here. You can go look them up. Okay, remember when the Romans and the Jews appeared to arrest Jesus? There's probably about 500 of them, okay, from Fort Antonius in Jerusalem. So there's probably 500 armed soldiers standing there. And Jesus gets up to him, stands up and says, who do you seek? And you know what happened? They all fell down. All 500, boof. And Peter knew that whatever he did would be easy. He had courage to be close. You think I'm kidding you? He decided to cut off Malchus's ear. No, he didn't. He tried to cut off Malchus's head, and he ducked and got his ear. You don't pull out and say, I'm going to get your ear, Bubba. No. Okay, but he had already seen Jesus speak, and everybody hit the deck. So I can take on all of you. Stay close. Jesus asked him, will you go away? Peter said, where will I go? He spoke miraculously. He did miracles, Peter did. He had miraculous courage. Less than a hundred yards separation from Jesus, he denied him three times. He denied him three times. They were in a storm out on the boat. Peter's a fisherman. Peter lived right there by the Sea of Galilee on the north edge. I seen where his house supposedly was. Lived right there. I know for a fact. He never said, I think I'll go walk across the Sea of Galilee. But he looked out there, and sure enough, there was Jesus walking out towards him. And he wanted to be with him. So he gets out of the boats and commences to trucking out to Jesus. Why? Because Peter wanted to be close to Jesus. Then he realized where he was and said, Hey, could you hurry? Get over here. Jesus lifted him out of the water. And yet a hundred yard separation, Peter denies him three times. Do you see a very simple and serious principle there? The day of Pentecost, 
God using Peter's mouth again gives this most eloquent dissertation of the lineage and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it says, it pierced their hearts. And they all stood said, what must we do to be saved? And repent and be baptized. His saying was miraculous. There was a beggar outside the temple. And he looked at him. He says, I have nothing of value to give you, but this I give you. Rise and walk and believe in Jesus Christ. And the guy got up and started dancing. Because he was full of the Spirit then. Peter had the ability to say and to do miraculous things. But he also had miraculous courage. He was arrested and told to stop preaching. Now think about it. Where's Jesus? He's in heaven. There's a gap. And Peter's response was what? Who are we to listen to? Man or God? Where did he get that courage? Holy Spirit came upon them. Acts chapter 2 verse 4. All were filled with the Spirit. Being filled with the Spirit is the same thing as living like you are standing right next to Christ Jesus. That's being filled. Same as the presence of Christ dominating your life. Will you go away? Where do I go? It's not mystical. It's not ecstatic. It's not even emotional. It's filling myself with the Word of God so that the truth of Christ dominates my thinking. So that no matter what I'm doing, Christ is right here. Right there. He's right there. Well, that's not true. Sometimes He's right there. But He's one side or the other. Well, every once in a while He's in the back kicking. But He's, he's still there. If you're indwelled with the Holy Spirit, how far do you get away from Him? As I yield to the truth of Christ in me, my will will lead me to do and say and be what God wants me to be. In case you guys haven't figured it out, this is my passion. It's the Word of God. I was reading a thing years ago. A little French girl. Some of you have heard it act like you haven't. And uh, young, she became blind. And so one of her nurses began teaching her Braille. And she used a Braille Bible to teach her. And during the teaching to read Braille, the little girl got saved. She was ecstatic. And she just began reading that Bible, reading that Bible, reading you know, but reading that Bible, reading that Bible. Year after year after year after year, just eating it up, eating it up, reading and reading and reading. And then one day she realized that she had gotten calluses on her fingertips. And her fingertips couldn't sense that anymore. She was crushed. How do I read the Word if my fingers can't feel it? So she took some razor blades skin the calluses off. You know what that means, right? Now she's got nothing. She's broken hearted. 
She grabbed her Bible. She held it up to her mouth to kiss it goodbye. And she could read it with her lips. My prayer is that becomes the passion of every one of you. Just read it. You don't have to start. Start off with something small. Philemon ain't tough. Listen, take a chapter. Just read it. You don't have to, well, was the, where was it based at? What country? What was the political system around? You don't have to do that. Just read it. Just read it. And as you take that book in, it will begin to dwell richly. And as it dwells richly, <laughs> does, does the Holy Spirit do a happy dance? I haven't found that part in the Bible, but I'm imagining you can do a happy dance because you are now full of spirit of living God. That is something that I am being kept, being kept, be being kept. (laughs) God, I love this stuff. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much. For your book. Father, there's so many times that I I feel like I become stale. Yet, Lord, you bring me back and you thrill me. Father, I pray for Castle Rock Baptist Church. Lord, uh, help us to be spirit-filled. Help us to have your word dwell in each of us richly. Father, we know the meaning. We know what the outcome is when we are spirit-filled. And now we know the means. Father, let us be obedient to your command. In Christ's name, amen.